The first reading today is taken from Philippians. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw that what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. That was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated for those of you that are here. You know, it's, it's interesting 
to read the two scriptures that we read for the gospel today juxtaposed to each other because it's not typically what you see on Easter Sunday. The second half of the reading is what you typically see on Easter Sunday. But we are continuing on our fall sermon series, our Lenten sermon series, I should say, on the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. And it's interesting in thinking about the seven last words, how they progress at, at, at the time that Jesus is hanging on the cross. He begins with, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He begins with forgiveness. Forgiveness being what the cross is really meant for us, for those of us who seek forgiveness from the Lord, who seek Him. And we realize we need a Savior. And so forgiveness is the first word. And then the second word is, today you'll be with me in paradise to the thief and the promise of paradise to all who believe, which is such a gift to us. And the third word being, behold your mother, behold your son. Where Jesus talks about what family really is, which is total commitment to one another, taking each other in, if you will. We are family in the body of Christ that Jesus made happen throughout his ministry and particularly here on the cross. And then, as he experiences more and more pain, as he takes upon himself the sin of the world, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. And the spiritual pain that he went through at that time. And then I thirst. The spiritual void that he felt because of the weight of the sin upon himself, the broken relationship with the Father. Physically, he was dehydrated and emotionally depleted because of all those who had deserted him and Judas who betrayed him and people who mocked him. And so in his depletion, he cried out, I thirst, because physically that void manifested itself to him. And then after I thirst... Jesus changed the focus of his concern. As he grew closer to death, and he realized he was closer to death, it is finished. A cry of completion and a cry of triumph and a cry of redemption. That's what we've covered over the last six weeks. Jesus' various words from the cross, his cries from the cross, his prayers from the cross. And now we come to the final word, the final prayer. Father, into your hands I commend or I commit my spirit. He gave himself wholly and completely to the Father. He trusted the, the Father wholly and completely. And what we see at this moment is that he realizes he is at the point of death. He realizes at that point the only hope the only one is the Father. Because he's at the point, the moment of death. And some right now are experiences, experiencing desperation because of all that's going on in this world. The pain of, of watching what's going on to our world that the whole world is experiencing together and yet in isolation. You know, I've never lived through a world war. 
I've watched movies about World War I and World War II, but I've never experienced a world war where the whole world was conscious of conflict, of battle, of evil, if you will. But right now, we are in a battle because of this coronavirus. Evil manifests itself in a variety of ways. In natural disasters, in diseases like this, illnesses that threaten our family, our lives, our friends, our low country, our island home. It's a threat to the world, and that's why the world is all taking this seriously. And yet, individually, we also experience it, much like we experience evil personally sometimes. From the world. From a fallen world. From fallen people, and even from ourselves, we experience our own sin, our own frailty, our own fallenness. But we call, and I've heard even in the secular news, this virus called evil. Some people call it evil personified. And what we're told is Jesus went to the cross to take upon himself the sin of the world, the brokenness of the world, to bring a new creation, a new creation to our lives, a new creation to the world. And so actually when he says, I commit my spirit to the Father at this moment, he was actually quoting once again another psalm that a lot of people don't think of. A lot of people are familiar with Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But people don't realize that he's quoting another psalm here. And he may have been praying through the psalms while he's on the cross. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Streams of water when he's thirsting. But then we arrive at Psalm 31. And in fact, verse 5. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, it's interesting, in Jewish homes, it's known as the going to sleep prayer. And it's based on Psalm 31. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. A lot of you know it. A lot of you know different endings to that prayer. But it's based on Psalm 31. It's even based on this particular verse, interestingly enough. The going to sleep prayer. That Jesus is praying on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, think about the word or the phrase even. Being committed, being more committed. I don't know if you've ever said to other people about someone else, about a man, about a woman, he needs to be more committed. You ever heard that? It could be something in regard to a job, to a performance, to sports, even to a family, a marriage. He needs to be more committed. But let's use the phrase a little differently. He needs to be more committed. Where the focus is the commitment. Or you can say it this way. He needs to be committed. Which is how people might say it about me. But the reality is, when we're talking about commitment, no matter which of those, it's a total investment. It's the whole of the person. The reality is, is that commitment is so much more. 
than oftentimes we give to anything or anyone. But Jesus was wholly and completely committed. That's what we see here on the cross. He was totally invested all of who he was. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, every aspect of who he was. He was committed. And commitment, by the way, is more than a feeling. You know, just think about feelings for a second. We think about happiness and how happiness can be here one moment and gone the next. Or we can be in love in one one moment and a broken relationship in the next. We can be at peace in one moment and totally angry and consumed by anger in another moment. All it takes is a word, some kind of experience, someone does something to you. It doesn't take much when it's all about feeling, to switch from one feeling to another. See, but Jesus wasn't just about feelings. He was wholly committed, out of love. Jesus was totally invested in all of who he was. And it's not even just about willpower. You know, if I just had a little more willpower, I could do this. You know how sometimes we talk ourselves into things like that? If I just had a little more willpower. It's not about willpower. Not what Jesus experienced, what he went through. Because in his humanness, in his human willpower, he would have accepted having the cup taken away. He prayed to the Father, being human, take this cup away, Father, but not my will. Your will be done. And there it is. It's not about what he felt. It was about total commitment, total conviction. Knowing why he came, was born into this world. Knowing what his purpose was to go to the cross, to pay for our sin. Knowing why the Father sent him. And he was empowered, not just human willpower, but the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he demonstrated this commitment. And we see it throughout his life and ministry, actually. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. Only. He was always wholly committed. But we say, even to death on a cross, like Philippians do, even to death on a cross. The worst kind of death that would eventually be outlawed because it was so horrendous, horrific, painful, inhuman, as they say. And Jesus was willing to go to the cross for the sake of the Father, the Father's will, out of love for the Father. He went there out of love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. So it's the Father's love and it's Jesus' love. Jesus took upon himself our sin, our brokenness. In fact, up until this time in the Greek language, and many of you know the other Greek words for love, there were only three words up to this point. It was the biblical term, agape, self-sacrificial love, that changed the idea of love. The Jesus on the cross 
change the idea of what love looks like when you're really wholly committed. Jesus was wholly given over to the Father and to the Father's love. He was wholly given over to loving us. And so this new term, never really known before, agape love, self-sacrificial love, giving of himself, which he did throughout his life as he served other people, as he washed feet, as he healed, as he showed compassion and fed people. And then he died on a cross going through horrendous torture. Throughout the passion. Jesus knew that the, the Father was there. And Jesus completely trusted the Father. It's difficult for us to wholly and completely trust anyone. And right now, we're overloaded with information. Information coming from different sources. And there's people out there that think it's a conspiracy. And there's people out there that are saying it didn't come from one person eating a bat. I mean, there's all kinds of... Who do you trust? We live in a day that we question when we watch the news and we watch the news on different channels and we hear from different experts. Who do you trust? And you don't always know. But for this life, and for our future and eternity, there's one we can trust. And that's the Father in heaven. Jesus demonstrated that in his life and in his death. Because the Father loved the Son and the Son loved the Father. And this kind of love is built on trust. This love that we can say we're wholly and completely invested. All of what we have, all of what we are. Because at this point, the Father's the only hope. He's the only one. And Jesus knew that. And then he went to lay in the tomb for three days. On the third day, we're told he rose again. He went to defeat the power of sin and death and our own brokenness and our own broken world. On the cross, the resurrection shows the vindication, the power that he can be trusted for all of who we are, all of what we have. You know, when we first moved to the island nearly 28 years ago, we had a week or two to get adjusted, to move in, to get our children settled in. And one of the things that I wanted to do for my children as they moved to this new place and new environment was build a swing set. And I found out swing sets on Hilton Head, if you live in a plantation, have to be wooden. So I got a kit. But the kit, you have to put together. And I modified the kit a little bit to put a couple extra things on it, too. And I am not skilled in carpentry. I usually am good at grunt work, as I call it. But when it comes to skilled labor, not always. And so I laid this kit out before me, and I thought, I can get this done in a day. And by the end of the first day, a lot of it was up, but I had burned out my drill. I literally, that first night, had a flashlight in my mouth, and I was drilling. 
And the neighbors were looking out and they turned on their outside lights so I could see. To put this kit together for my kids because I thought the kids would enjoy it. It'd be fun for them. They'd invite friends over. It'd be really great. Meanwhile, I was not real excited by about 9, 10 at night. Meredith's telling me to come in. So the next morning I got a new drill. I finished the project. But one of the things that I added to it, because I always liked it when I was a kid, was a ladder that is hung horizontally. And you go across the rungs. You swing from one rung to another. Particularly when you get good, you can do all kinds of stuff on that. And I thought it would be really fun for our kids to do that. And Bethany was about five, and Daniel was about three, and, and Aaron was about one. Aaron wasn't quite ready to do this yet. But I thought the other two might. And I don't even remember which kid. And, and at different stages, they all went through this. But I'd start them on the one rung, and I'd say, okay, you can do it. And then they'd go to the next rung, and about halfway through, always, every child, the first time, they get to the middle. And they look behind them and they look in front of them and they're scared. And they're tired. They're little, you know, scrawny arms. They're tired. And they said, Daddy! And I would get right underneath them and I'd say, I got you. I'll catch you. And sometimes they would drop and sometimes they wouldn't. But eventually they got across. And then instead of dropping into my hands, they would jump into my arms. It's a great memory. But it's really what Jesus did. That we in our weakness, like Jesus as he was weak, we as children, like Jesus was the son, is the son. That on the cross, in his brokenness, in his weakness, and he knew the end was coming, he said, I can't hold on any longer. Father, you're the one to trust. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus demonstrated what it means to be committed and trusting. And trusting in the Father's love and in what Jesus did for us. It's as if we, periodically in our lives, are hanging there. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes it's exhaustion. Sometimes it's fear. And John writes in his first letter, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. His perfect love. That when we can't hold on anymore, he holds on to us in this life, for this life, and for all eternity. That's the power of the resurrection. Jesus rose again to show that he has the power. That he defeated sin and death. And he said in John's Gospel, no one, nothing, can pluck you out of the Father's hand. John's Gospel at the beginning says, He came, and those who believe have the power to become His children. And knowing that, as you progress through John's Gospel, and you get to when Jesus says, right before He heads towards Jerusalem, right before He suffered and He died for us, He assured His apostles, no one can pluck you out of His hand. 
when He catches you, when you trust in Him, when you trust in His love, you trust in the cross, you believe, and you believe in the power of the resurrection, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing. That's why the last word is a powerful word leading into Easter. Because Jesus says, I love you, Father. I trust you, Father. I give you my spirit. And he rose again. It's the same promise for us. This is Easter. But Easter, unless you understand Good Friday, you will never understand the power of Easter. The power of the cross. The power of the words that Jesus said from the cross. Defeating sin and death and pain and brokenness and fear and doubt. And he rose again to show it. Trusting wholly and completely in the Father as we can do this day. Trust Jesus. Savior. Lord. Model. The power of the resurrection. The power of the Holy Spirit. No matter what you're experiencing right now. Fear. Doubt. Isolation. Maybe even a little hopelessness. He has you in his hands. He'll catch you in any, any fall you have in this life and for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, on that cross, as Jesus hung there, He taught us so much about how to live and how to die how to love you and how to love others, how to forgive, and how to trust you wholly and completely. Lord, as we come to this final word on the cross, it's such a wonderful gift as we celebrate Easter to know that you are faithful. You are trustworthy and true. You are love. Lord, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection, to know this love for ourselves, to share this love with others, that as Jesus demonstrated, to fulfill the two great commandments, to share the gospel. Lord, not relying on feelings or our own willpower, but on the cross and the resurrection, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, into your hands we commit our spirit. Now and for all eternity, in Jesus' name. Amen.